Welcome to the premiere episode of Cultivating Roots. We're a podcast for sports turf managers in the Carolinas. I'm Robbie Miller of Providence Day School, and joining me today are host Matt Parrott from Charlotte Knights and Clark Cox from the University of South Carolina. You know, guys, today we, uh, we're going to both be hosts, interviewees, so we'll, we're going to start this off so our, our future listeners can get to know us a little bit. Uh, so we'll introduce ourselves and our podcast to the sports turf professionals here in, in the Carolinas and hopefully nationally. But before we start, I'd like to thank all of our 2020 partners. Without their assistance, we would not be able to have a podcast or we would not be able to host uh, chapter events like the Southeast Regional Sports Turf Conference. Uh, we have an amazing trade show at the November conference. And, you know, if anyone needs help, any of our listeners, please seek out our partner's advice and expertise at the trade show or any of our local North or South Carolina chapter meetings. So guys, if we start this off, if Matt, if you want to Talk about yourself a little bit and, you know, your role with the Knights and your facility and and then Clark, we'll hear from you. Yeah, so thanks, Robbie. Um, thanks for putting this together and, and I'd like to echo your sentiments here from the start, thanking our vendors and our sponsors for the support that they give us to do do things like this and, and support the the industry in general in, in, in North and South Carolina and throughout the Southeast. Yeah, like you said, I'm I'm the uh, director of field operations for the Charlotte Knights. This will be my fifth year with the Knights, or would have been my fifth year with the Knights. We're currently still not playing baseball with everything going on right now. A lot of a lot of things up in the air. But my entire career has been in uh, professional baseball at the minor league level. Long story short, you know, I, I from Boone, North Carolina, and stayed there through through high school and college, graduated from Appalachian State with a business degree and just decided that the office setting wasn't really what I was looking for. So I took my talents, so to speak, to uh, North Carolina State University where I, where I got a two-year turf degree. And uh, upon finishing up at, at NC State, immediately immediately went into uh, to the baseball industry on the sports turf side. And that was with the Durham Bulls? Is that where our yeah. paths initially crossed? Yeah, that's where we initially crossed, Robbie, was with with the Bulls and uh, estimate President Jimmy Simpson for for part of a season. And then uh, during that season was actually offered my first head job in Newark, New Jersey. So I, I left mid-season and, and moved to Newark and I was there for a year. And when I finished in Newark, kind of small town guy in a big city. Um, so I left there and uh, ended up in Bowie, Maryland, which was a double-A affiliate for the Baltimore Orioles. Gosh, I was in Bowie for 14 or 15 seasons, kind of lose count on for a while. Uh, when the opportunity in Charlotte presented itself to come come back a little bit closer to home. My wife and family and I lived in D.C. and we're just kind of ready to get out of the big city, move to another city, just not quite as big. And that's how uh, that's how I got to where I am today. So it's been, it's been a very rewarding time and ride and just glad to be a part of a, a group of uh, colleagues like I have and such dedicated indiv- individuals. So what about you, Clark? Tell us about yourself. Oh, what do you want to know? How you got to be the be the guy you are? Yeah, uh, Clark Cox, University of South Carolina Athletic Department. Uh, my official title here is the uh, Assistant AD for Sports Turf and Landscape Services. So uh, basically in charge of all the athletic fields 
athletic grounds here with the athletic department. I've been here, this is, I just surpassed my 16th uh, year. This is, I've just finished. That's, that's hard to believe, but uh, got here in April of 2004. I came over from North Carolina State University where I was uh, working, a place where I, I went to school. I am an NC State grad and got into uh, the, the, the business and uh, have never looked back. And so uh, that's, that's, that's where I am. We, uh, that's how I got here, and that's, that's kind of where I am right now. Um, what about you, Robbie? What, what, what's your, your background? I started out at NC State as well. Graduated from state in 2001 and then uh, worked at the Bulls for Jimmy Simpson also. And that was my my introduction to the sports turf world. I have a little bit more of a golf background. Uh, while I was in college, I, I worked on the golf course. And when I left the Bulls and I believe it was 2002, I went back to the golf course. Never really wanted to stay on the golf course, but they, they paid more money at the time than minor league baseball. And you know, from there, I... I've done some residential and commercial landscaping work, and I'm very fortunate I got lucky, and I'm now at a, a TK through 12 independent school, and I manage the grounds here that include the campus grounds plus the uh, athletic fields that we have here. So I've done quite a bit, uh, quite a few different things, and it took me a while to settle exactly what I wanted to do, but finally did, and that was uh, been here 12 years now. So been here, been here a while. So, so you, you originally got your start in the golf side of things? I did. Mm-hmm. Have you ever worked in golf, Matt? I have not. I, uh, I actually went to, went to state thinking that I would uh, go down that career path in the golf industry. And, uh, you know, it, it's interesting. You guys can probably remember this, but I, I remember kind of the moment in time that I walked out of class one day and walked by Dr. Cooper's office who was my advisor and somewhere down that hallway was a job posting board and I I saw a job posting for an internship with a minor league baseball team at the time was located in Wilmington North Carolina they were there for they played there all of one year and I went back to my apartment that night and thought about whether I was going to apply or not. And for those of you who, who know me, you know that I, that I really enjoy playing golf. And I kind of had a heart to heart with myself. And I said, you know, I enjoy golf so much from a leisure perspective. Is it really something that I want to get into from a career perspective? And uh, why not give this baseball thing a try? Because I, I played baseball all the way through through high school and obviously wasn't good enough to continue playing, but enjoyed the game and wanted to stay around it in, in some capacity. And that's really how, how I got into this business. So I, I haven't worked a day, day of golf in my life. Kind of wish I had, but um, just, you know, got on this path and have been fortunate to stay on it. So. Yeah, I got into golf cause I liked golf and I thought it would be great. You know, I get to play free golf. So let's, let's go to work on a golf course. Was that, was that your intent when you got into the business was to stay in golf, Robbie? Uh, it was, you know. Um, I finished up as an interim superintendent at the course that I was at um, after my uh, mentor was uh, decided to move to a, a different location. And uh, I did that for a while, and I, I just kind of realized that, you know, if I wanted to be a golf course superintendent, I could do that, but I didn't think I could have a family and do that. You know, some people do a great job of balancing it, and I didn't think that I could, and moved around and tried to find some, some different avenues that would allow me to do both. And, you know, after working with the bulls, I always wanted to get back into sports turf. Um, I didn't really know exactly how that was going to happen. 
just because of the, uh, you know, the financial situation at the time. And this was, you know, I think it's improved quite a bit. This was almost 20 years ago now, but you know, when I had this opportunity to get, get to the independent school and get back in the sports turf, I really jumped on that and it blended all the different skills that I had kind of gathered when I was trying to chart my path through the landscaping industry and, and realize that I hate commercial landscaping, even though I'm, I kind of do commercial landscaping now along with the athletic fields that I do. But yeah, my intent was to stay in golf and to be a golf course superintendent and, you know, and, and live that life and, you know, things changed. What about you, Clark? Did you ever work in golf? Uh, I, I'm probably one of the, you know, kind of like you, Matt, I feel like everyone else at some point either got into this industry because of the golf side of things or at one point work. I've never worked on a golf course. Uh, I grew up on a farm uh, down in eastern North Carolina. I grew up growing tobacco and uh, turkeys and hogs and uh, have been involved in agriculture all my life. And so uh, I've always been outdoors and, and I, don't, I, don't, I don't like to say green thumb because I've probably killed as much, many things as I've, as I've grown and made green. But, uh, but, I, but I grew up with agriculture in my blood. So went to NC State actually as, to get an ag ed degree. I thought I wanted to be an ag teacher. I had a great ag program and was involved in FFA and things uh, back in those days. And I thought, yeah, I think I'd like to be an ag teacher until I got into the the program and realized that not all high school ag programs are like the one that I came through. And uh, also, I don't think I was cut out to be a teacher, but uh, went through my my time at NC State, became a, a student football equipment manager, which... Uh, got me involved in college athletics and involved in, in sports and really love that. Love being around a team. I played sports in high school and you like, you felt like you were still part of a team and exciting and uh, you, you, you were in love with that. And I love the game of football. I love all, all, all sports, but uh, football in particular. And I got out of, uh, I got finished with my degree uh, from NC State and Ag Ed thinking I wanted to go kind of the marketing route. I did an internship with the North Carolina Department of Agriculture. Oh, maybe that's what I wanted to do. But when I finished and didn't have a job, I started working part-time on the grounds crew at NC State because I had those relationships and uh, realized right away that it was really kind of a perfect blend of the two things I really enjoy. One was agriculture and growing things and being able to the work the land. And number two, being involved in, in, uh, in athletics. So uh, that's kind of why I got into this business and realized that I don't, I don't know why I didn't think of that before, before then, but uh, decided to stick around and, and was lucky enough to get on uh, full-time at NC State uh, with their uh, grounds crew on the, on the athletic department side of things and uh, was able to go back and get a two-year associate degree from the Ag Institute in turf grass management and uh, – that's that's where it's been. I've been in athletics my entire career, a little bit of everything. That's one thing I like about college athletics is we get to dabble in a little bit of all sports. But uh, but no 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 golf. I've I've probably we've actually picked up a golf practice facility here that uh, I'm responsible for. But I'm smart enough to know to hire people that are a lot smarter than me. So uh, we've got a great one that that takes care of that. But yeah, I, I've. Never, never been on the golf side of things. Always been in athletics. It's kind of, I feel like an oddball sometimes. Yeah, one thing that led me to golf too was my desire to make my career work here in Charlotte. So I'm from Charlotte, and 
I've always wanted to stay a little bit closer to home. I love the city. I love how it's grown over the years. And, and you know, there are not, at least at the time, there weren't that many sports turf options, you know, in the city. There are a few more now. And, you know, I didn't know that, that you could come to a high school and, you know, and, and work the athletic fields, you know, or the campus grounds. I didn't know that, that – didn't know the high schools offered that type of position. So, But I'm the same way. I mean, I didn't know – you know, I went to Appalachian and got a business degree. I, I had no idea, but what got me through school at Appalachian was actually working on working on sports fields for the for Watauga County Parks and Recreation. And then the reality came of graduating from college and okay, what am I gonna do now? Because I don't I couldn't see myself sitting in an office. And it was at that point in time that I started researching the turf industry, not even, not even really at that point, knowing that there was a sports turf industry. Like I said, I, I went into it for golf. I think it's just funny how we all have different things that really, you know, you look at it from you, you enjoyed being in Charlotte and you were looking for opportunities that would keep you here. And Clark came from an agricultural background and um, I came from the farthest thing from an agricultural background, but it was all things that we enjoyed doing as, as young men. Uh, that ultimately led us to where we are today. So, well, I started out as a psychology major at state. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking with that, but <laughs> so, well. so what you're saying is, is, is I've got a 17 year old daughter who who doesn't know what she wants to do at home. I, she's trying to figure out where she wants to go to college. And so, Dad's right when he says, you, you know, you don't whatever you choose right now doesn't have to be what you stick with. No, that's true. When I started at State, I, I actually I wanted to be a, a civil engineer originally. I wanted to build houses. Um, I just always thought that was really cool. And uh, I did not get into NC State, but I did get into UNCC. And I, the very last day that you could switch and say, no, I do want to go to NC State, I waited till that day to change my mind and go to NC State. And, and I got into their first year of college. So their first year of college is for people who don't have any idea what they want to do with their life. And I kind of got pushed towards the psychology thing. It just seemed kind of interesting at the time. And then you realize that kind of comes back to making money. To make money in psychology, you have to have a lot of advanced degrees. And, uh, you know, I, school was not not my most favorite place to be. Do you ever find yourself falling back on some of that psychology knowledge that you probably have with, when it comes to work, especially with employees, relations, and things like that? You know, I try to. I, I try and fall back on it a little bit um, if I can. Um, I think the the thing that's helped me the most uh, with, you know, aspects with crew relation or, you know, upper management relation was uh, getting married and having a kid. You know, <laughs> I think that's yeah. where I learned to uh, keep my cool a little bit more and not be as hot-headed and, uh, you know, pick your battles. You know, that's interesting, Robbie, that you, that you talk about that you know, and Clark, that question about do you feel like sometimes you use your psychology background as, as limited as it may have been. But, you know, I, people ask me a lot, you know, you always get the questions about what do you do? What do you do in the off season? Stuff like that. But, you know, I have to say that I think from, from a career standpoint and being in, in kind of the private industry, as long as I have been um, in sports, I, I use my business degree uh, just as much, if not more, than I do, than I do my turf degree. And I think Robbie, you you kind of hit the nail on the head there. Where, you know, 
you know, how you interact with management, how you interact with employees and, and, um, how you manage people. And I think that, you know, you, you get that from, from things that may not necessarily be tied to, to what our core background is or our core education and a turf degree. And, you know, I have, I have, um, employees who work for me that are in school and, you know, I, I've had a number of employees who have, have gone a similar route with a second, really with a primary degree in mind, and then have gone back and gotten a turf degree. And it's interesting to hear how, how they use that, that primary knowledge that they got in their day-to-day work. And, and, you know, I take Ian Christie at Duke as, as one of those people. And Ian was a, was an assistant of mine very early in his career. And I believe Ian's a computer engineering uh, has a computer engineering degree from Johns Hopkins. You know, he's, he's one of the finest sports turf guys that we find. So pretty interesting stuff. Yeah, I usually give the advice now that uh, I use accounting as a reference, but I tell people get an accounting degree and then minor in your passion. Because if you have an accounting degree or a business management degree, that's going to open more doors for you and you're going to be able to do more of what you're passionate about you know, if that's what you choose to do, if you choose not to use your first degree. So if I could do anything different, that's what I would do. I would have gotten, I would have minored or majored in something a little bit different. Um, I have a four year degree from NC state turf degree. And, uh, if I could do it again, I would get an accounting or business degree and, and have minored in turf or done a dual major if, you know, if I could have done that, but I feel like that would open more doors along the way. And, you know, people, People don't always understand what a turf degree is. You know, they, they don't always understand what the sports turf manager does, but they understand, you know, MBA. They understand, you know, counting degrees. So, so that leads us to, you know, is there anything you would have done different, Clark? Is there anything that you would have changed along the way? You know, I don't know. I, I tell kids all the time whenever I speak to classes that are uh, in turf grass management, I, I got tunnel vision uh, when I got into this industry thinking that, ah, all I need to know about is grass. I need, cause that's what I was interested in. I, that's what I wanted to know. That's where the games were played. But what I've realized in my shoot 20 years going on now is that everyone looks to you for all things related to green and growing. I wish I had paid a little more attention in some of those plan ID classes that I had to take instead of just it being a, a box that I checked off and a class that I checked off. You know, I try to tell kids, make yourself as employable as you can. And so don't just zero in on one little thing, you know, try to get a little bit of knowledge about various topics. And so uh, if I could go back and and from an education standpoint, uh, I think I would have probably gotten a little bit more into the, uh, the ornamental side, culture side of things, more so than just focusing on perf grass management, because I don't know of a whole lot of jobs, whether it be in golf, whether it be in sports turf, whether it be, you know, uh, in other areas that, that at some point in time, you're going to be asked to not just maintain that ball field. You're going to be asked to maintain the surroundings uh, and and you, you need a little bit of knowledge, uh, basic plant ID, some some basic ornamental knowledge, uh, and I wish I had more of it because I just you know I didn't think back then that I, I would need it, but I've learned quite the opposite over the years. Yeah, you know I, t- I tell people, Clark, that that have worked for me and assistants that I may have had that just because you're you know in in, in our industry just because you're field focused so to speak 
doesn't mean that you can't kind of turn your antennas on and, and pay attention to the things that are going on around you. And, you know, when I was in Bowie, I was thrown into a position there as not only the, the head groundskeeper, but two years into that, I was thrown into a, into a facility management role. And, you know, that honestly is probably at the end of the day, what kept me in the industry and kept me viable to, to that organization. Um, I had no facility maintenance experience, but you know, when issues came up, you one either had to figure them out or two rely on outside expertise. And I used that outside expertise to, to really just pay attention to what was, what they were doing and kind of learn different sides of, of systems in the facility. And, you know, you can sit and watch, I use an example, you can take a lot from an HVAC contractor and sit and watch him work in the, 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 the steps that he goes through on, on a system. And you can take a lot of that thought process and implement it into our daily jobs, uh, whether it be equipment maintenance or whether it be formulating programs that you're going to implement on your field. And just the thought process from so many different things, um, you know, there's that crossover um, between the two. And, and I think it's important. Uh, very few jobs these days are, you know, take your job, for example, take Robbie, Robbie's job, for example. I mean, yes, you are the sports turf manager. Most of what you do is in sports turf, but there's so many other things that come in from the outside and, and uh, just use it as a learning experience. That's one of the lessons I took uh, from my mentor when I was on the golf course, because I did do that for five years, it, to be adaptable and to learn and to find ways that you can expand your role so that, you know, you can do more and learn from other people. We've all been in the business for a long time. What, what is it that kind of keeps you going every day that you get personal, you know, benefit or gain or reward? What, what is it about your jobs that keep you coming back day in and day out for, for all these years that, that really we've all been doing it? Um, what would you say is the most rewarding aspect? Yeah, for me, um, fortunate enough that my son will be able to go to school here and for me I'm, hopefully he'll be an athlete um, he still has a wide range of things I'm, I'm hoping he'll be a you know a hall of fame major league baseball player but you know for me it's really rewarding to work with the students here and, and to be a part of that and I'm really hoping that I can be a part of you know my son's life in a way that you know other people don't always get to get to do that's one of the things that, that keeps me going and keeps me here. And, you know, when you get to see, especially at the, you know, the high school level, when you get to see the, the joy, you know, that, that the students get and the, you know, the, the ups and downs, you know, through their season. And, you know, when you get to be a part of that, that's, you know, that's really exciting and fun and rewarding. What about you, Clark? I think, I think the biggest thing that I, that I've always really enjoyed about this business and I don't know what else I would have done where I could have gotten this same feeling, but the fact of seeing something go from, it's a transformation, right? So you, you take a field that, a football field, for example, right now in April and how it looks right now to what it, the, the morphosis and the things that have to happen for that field through the summer and until our first game, September 5th, and being able to sit back the night before that game or, or, or that day and see the fruits of your labor 
it, there's a visual that you can, you, you know where you came from. And to me, that's what I've always liked about this business is that you, you get to see visually the work that you've done and not always tied to a monetary uh, reward like, like maybe some other jobs, but, but that satisfaction of, of knowing you took something from, from one place and brought it to another, you know, you turn that ugly duckling into a swan that those are the things that, that to me is, is very gratifying always has been whether no matter what the field is, those, I think that's the, the thing that I still enjoy uh, is being able to, to see that, you know, there's a lot of satisfaction too, is knowing that you've provided, you, at least here, our student athletes with a surface that is, they couldn't find one any better anywhere. That, that is, that's what we strive for. And to know that, uh, you know, especially after a big win, it always is, is always better when you're winning, but to know that you've, you've done the job to, to help those guys and girls fulfill their goals and reach their goals. That that's very, very gratifying to me. Yeah. I got to agree with, with things that both the aspects of both y'all have mentioned. I think that for, for me being in baseball, as long as I have been, I think the, the, the feeling that you get at the end of a day when you walk off and you, you get to see kind of the fruits of the labor when everybody's out of the stadium and it's just you and your crew finishing a hard day's worth of work. I think is is one of the most rewarding aspects to me. But additionally, you know, we part of our mission statement when I was in Bowie was that every day is somebody's opening day. And I can remember as a kid, for me, it was walking in the old Durham Athletic Park. Um, I couldn't have been six or seven years old. And that was, I think, subconsciously when I decided, man, that would be a that'd be a pretty cool, cool job to have someday. And that was the first time I'd, I'd ever been to a baseball game. And the reality is, is that the field is the centerpiece of that. And there, there's only one time that'll be your first time walking into a stadium and looking out over that. And I think that those are the type of memories that with the world moving as fast as it is these days, or as slow as it is right now, I guess, you always harken back to and, and you always remember those memories. I think that it, it's just that sense of pride that you get um, and that, that everybody that being in this industry, I think that it's a very prideful industry and that you have to have that sense of pride to be successful. So it's, uh, you know, there are a lot of different things, different things that you see and different ways that you can get reward out of stuff. But I, I would say that those would be, those would be mine. Your job has changed a little bit, Matt, over these, uh, these last couple of weeks. Have you found yourselves doing anything that maybe you hadn't been doing when you did have a full crew? Anything that maybe you really enjoy doing before that, you know, the director there that you don't get to do, but now you're finding yourself out there doing and say, Hey, I kind of miss doing this. Yeah. I mean, first of all, I mean, it definitely makes you appreciate the people that you have working with you on a daily basis. And I don't mean from a workload standpoint, I just, you know, we're in a situation here where we've basically been shut down uh, for the better part of, gosh, almost two months. Um, I think we've played one game here this year, uh, was a college game, and, and we shut it down two days later. I think that, you know, I, I'm, I'm very fortunate that I'm one of those employees who does still get to come to work uh, on a daily basis, but I have a lot of employees that don't get to, or a lot of coworkers that don't get to. And, you know, the reality of it is, is 
there's probably more work than one person can do. Um, but I think the thing for me is I, I try to be pretty hands-on on the field on a daily basis. Some days I get to be more so than, than other days, but it definitely makes you appreciate the things that you, that you get to do, but it, it also makes you appreciate the things that you don't, that you haven't got to do and maybe that you don't enjoy doing quite as much. Uh, it gives you a new perspective just for how hard your employees work and some of the, some of the tasks that they have to do. I gotta be honest, edging is one thing that uh, when I'm doing it, probably my least favorite thing to do on a baseball field. But the flip side of that is, is that when you're done with it and you look back at it, it goes back to what we were talking about and that pride and that sense of um, attention to detail and really setting off the overall aesthetics of a field. I think that we're all kind of straight line guys is what I like to say is we, we like things symmetrical. We like things to be in their place. And so, you know, getting back to the basics is probably, probably one of the things that I've liked the most about what's going on right now, because it's the things that we're doing right now that are preparing us to be a step ahead when things do get back to, to that sense of normal and, and, uh, it'll make starting up that much easier. So I've just been able to get on a mower and mow. I, I, you know, I don't get to do that often anymore. It's, it's been pretty neat, neat to be able to get back to doing some of the things that I really enjoyed about this job before you moved up the ranks to having your own deal. You know, you, you're doing it like, like Matt said, it's, it's, you do appreciate the, the people that, are doing that for you now on a regular basis, especially when it's something that's uh, that's very labor intensive that I'm not used to doing. Like I, I trimmed the hedges in the stadium here a couple of weeks ago. And I thought I was going to die, but again, it was neat to see after it was done. It looked a lot better, but it really made me appreciate my employees that that do that every. You know, I got a guy who basically that's what he does every other week uh, by himself. Uh, you really appreciate it, but. Um, but no, I, I've enjoyed getting back on that mower and, and uh, mowing some grass, at least when it was growing before we got cold here in the last couple of weeks. But that's been the, the biggest thing I've enjoyed. And I have and I have not missed uh, any doing any skin work. So that's that's the thing I'll tell you about me is as a grounds guy is I am not a baseball guy. I'm not a skin guy. I know just enough about working skins to be dangerous. Uh, and so, again, back to – I'm smart enough to know the higher people that are a lot smarter than me. And I've always had to have someone working with me that, that understood and could work those skins, uh, baseball and softball skins that, that are better than me. So I, I've kind of been glad not to have to worry about tarps and moisture and things like that. That's been probably one of the nice things about all this in the last couple of weeks is when it's raining not wondering, well, what's the tarp on or should we put it on tonight or, those are the type of things that, that I, I don't really miss. What about you, Robbie? I mean, you, you had mentioned earlier that you just came back. You just come back to work pretty recently, I, I believe. What has that been like for you? Yeah, we started back uh, Tuesday this week. So, you know, it's been great just to be around the guys again. I do miss being at home with my son. I have a three-year-old son. So I do miss the time that I got to spend with him. But being around all the guys and see their faces and hear their stories again. And I don't think I realized how much I missed, you know, being around the guys. We're coming out of the winter and the winter is usually when we're cooped up in the shop a little bit more. And you know, maybe guys are getting tired of being around each other. You know, and we went from, you know, being around each other, watching it rain, 
you know, being around each other because it's too cold to really get out and do what we need to do to not seeing each other at all. So it's been great to see the guys again and to see everybody get together. And, uh, you know, we're making a really strong push to get campus ready for, for our seniors here uh, this weekend. And then hopefully we can have a, a commencement ceremony for them and just the teamwork that everybody's really showed this week, you know, going from not maintaining anything for four weeks, maintaining at a minimum, uh, to, to really making a strong push, pruning everything, putting new flowers in, you know, mowing the grass. You know, the one thing I have missed, uh, I, do, I do like my baseball field, and I do like skin management, you know, the little bit that we do do. And that's kind of my happy place is watering my infield before a game. So I, I have not – we have not played, I think, a baseball game here at all. So that was – I do kind of miss that a little bit. Well, anytime you want to come work dirt, just come across town. We've, we've, got, we've got plenty of it that you can dial up for us. So, Clark, you can take the grass. Robbie can take the dirt, and I'll get back to managing. How about that? So now we've hit on what, what you have or what you enjoy. And here's everyone's favorite topic. Like, what's your biggest fail? What, what did you just absolutely do completely wrong? I've got, I, I've got one that kind of stands out to me. Um, I, I don't know how long ago this was. It was when I was in Bowie. Uh, and some, some of our listeners may be familiar with a guy named Anthony Rendon. Played for the world champion Washington Nationals last year and has since moved on to, to the Anaheim Angels. But um, I believe it was about two days before a homestand started and – Harrisburg was coming in. Rendon was the hot, hot new thing for the Nationals coming in with the, the visiting team. And I was trying to sneak in a, uh, a needle tine airification a couple days before they came in. And uh, I had just moved from the outfield to my infield and uh, stopped long enough to take a quick phone call and uh, was on a piece of equipment that was, that was new to us. It was actually a demo piece and stopped to take the phone call, got lost my concentration, so to speak. And um, when I went to start airifying again, the uh, attachment was not a spring-loaded unit. And I um, dropped the airifier on the ground right in front of third base and proceeded to take off without engaging it and ended up raking about probably between eight and 10, 10 linear feet of turf. And uh, my assistant at the time, Jason Green, who is now at NC State working down there, and I we started scrambling. Thankfully, had a sod farm, pulled some sod out of that, and uh, got it as flush as we could. And during BP, Anthony Rendon comes out in the first ball off the bat, hit that sideline, and took a beeline right over top of his head. That was that was an eye-opening experience. Um, to when you when you start a project that requires detail, turn turn the phone off or leave it sitting in the shop that at the end of the day, the things that we talk about as turf managers, safety, playability, and aesthetics, in a matter of seconds, I, I pretty much threw all three of those things out the window. And uh, it, it could have meant, had the ball not bounced exactly the way it did, it could have been, it could have been a pretty bad deal. So that, that's probably my biggest one that I've had. I, I worst screw up, and I tell this all the time, is uh... – was probably, and I say our, because it was a lot of us involved, but ultimately it fell on me. We're getting ready for our season opener. I believe it was 2014. 
we're getting ready. We're lining the field off before the first game. It was a Thursday night TV game. In fact, I think it was maybe the first game on uh, SEC Network, very first broadcast. It was going to be us in Texas A&M. And got out, and I had gone to my office, and the guys were going to put all the stencils out. And uh, I, one of the guys came, and I could tell he was a little bit nervous. And he walks in, and he says, do you uh, – you want to sit down for this? And I knew then it was not good. So what happened? They had in their their rush, haste to get the uh, the midfield logo out. They put it out on the 45 rather than the 50 and didn't catch it until after they had already dotted out all the little holes in the stencil. Went out and looked. And so we had a lot of these little, there's this little paint marks all over in the wrong spot. We scrambled and this this was on Tuesday. The game's, I'm sorry, this was on a Monday. The game was on a, a Thursday. And so uh, luckily, I, I, you know, I was just, I had my face in my hand and, you know, I wanted to just scream. I wanted to just, but you can't do that, right? So you have to figure out how do we fix this? So we, we ended up going to the, uh, I drove to, to Walmart or somewhere and bought every pair of scissors hair trimming scissors that they had. And so our thought was that we just cut out the, just get on our hands and knees and just cut out the tips of the grass that were painted. And so we did, and we wound up with a bunch of them, a bunch of little scout marks everywhere, but we put a little green sand on it. And luckily it was August and it grew out and we never, you know, you never would have known it, especially on television, you couldn't tell it. But um, the worst part about that was right after we did it, Coach Spurrier never brought the team into the stadium, but that day they brought the team into the stadium for, uh, they had already practiced, but just to bring them in there to kind of show them. The, and so every football player, every coach, everyone saw, hey, y'all realize that that's on the 45. Like, what are y'all doing? And we're like, yes, we're trying to fix it. But we ended up getting our butts kicked in that game. And I've always kind of thought, like, got off to a bad start that week, you know, with everybody. So, uh, but, yeah, it, it could have been a lot worse because it could have been, you know, seen on TV. But uh, that was pretty embarrassing. My, uh, my fails always revolve around irrigation. I seem to be really good at aerating my irrigation lines. Um, I just seem to have a love-hate relationship with irrigation like most people do. But my biggest fail with irrigation actually goes back to the, the golf course days. The way we dealt with some Bermuda encroachment on our greens or the way we dealt with some, you know, some summer dead loss on our greens would be to plug out the sections that were not performing the way we wanted. Luckily, we were doing that at the time. So here's the setup. Luckily, we were doing that. You know, it was probably a, you know, mid-90s, close to 100-degree day. You know, we're hand-watering the greens, and you know, we had electric uh, hose reels go drive up to the green, plug into the quick coupler, water my green. There's a golfer coming by. What do I do? I drive off. Quick coupler still in the ground. So I break the hose off, break the quick, uh, quick coupler off. I'm quick. I go and get the, the valve that goes to that quick coupler. I get it valved off so the golfer can go through and go play. But, you know, it's a really hot day, so we got to get in there. We got to get that fixed. And then I, you know, I get the saw out and I cut on the wrong side of the valve and I cut the valve off and I proceed to, to blow out a chunk of the green with irrigation have to valve the whole, you know, the whole, the entire hole off couple. I think it, the zone may have been two or three holes the way that, that irrigation was set up. And we get everything patched back up. And, you know, luckily we had some plugs available and we had to go plug that thing out real quick so that we could continue to play golf. But that was a, that was a pretty big fail. That was, 
Mm. Always, uh, always make sure you know which side of the valve you're cutting on, right? Yeah, I've done the, I've done the old, uh, I've done it one time, and thank, thank, thank goodness it was very early in my career for a guy in baseball leaving your irrigation on underneath the tarp is, uh, is another one that you'll only do once. Hopefully, knock on wood. So far, it always all, comes back to irrigation, but or we've all made mistakes. What do you guys do when your guys on your crew make a mistake? How do you handle that? I think ideally you try to handle it the way that Clark handles it. There's nothing – the damage is done at that point. And so I think the older I've gotten, the more I've realized the only solution is to fix the problem. Earlier in my career, I'll be the first to admit that I didn't handle situations the way that I do today. But by not handling them in a professional – I don't know if uplifting is the right word uh, – but not handling them that way did not fix the issue at hand. And so a lot of what we do is very time sensitive, whether it be that we have the, the deadline of an event or a situation with irrigation that our core crop, so to speak, is relying on it. And so the best I've, I've, I've tried to adopt the, the best course of action is learn from our mistakes, but get the mistake fixed as quick as we possibly can. And after it's done, then we can break down why it happened and how it won't happen again. That's the approach that I usually try to take as well. I try not to beat a guy up. They, they know they did something wrong. We try and figure out the best way to fix it. And then we go out there and use that as a learning experience. Hopefully we don't do it again. Figure out the best way to fix it and then move on. I think it's a good opportunity for team building too. Yeah, I, I would agree, and I, I, I can't believe I'm going to quote Dean Smith, but it's, it's, it's you know, one of, the, one of the favorite quotes is, you know, what do you do with a mistake? You recognize it, you admit it, you learn it, learn from it, and then you forget it. And uh, that's kind of the way, you know, especially the older I get, I think that's the way we view it is, you know, making a learning moment. Hopefully, you know, there's some things that when you do it once, like you said, leaving the irrigation on the tarp, you don't ever do it again because you learn, you learn from it. And so um, that's why I try to, you know, like you say, the damage is done most of the time when the mistake's been made. And so there's no reason to berate somebody or make, they, they feel worse about it than you do uh, most of the time. So uh, you just roll on, move on, fix it, and hope it doesn't happen again, hope, at least with that person. Show everybody so that they can learn. Yeah, I think it, you know, I have a, every, every employee that I have, I bring them in, especially full-time employees when they first start. And I, and I tell them, you know, there's going to be times, anytime you manage employees, there are times that you have to have some one-on-ones with the door closed. Try to keep those to one-on-ones and not vent it in front of your staff, um, I think is a very important thing. But I think the other thing too is, is, to convey to them that that's part of the growing experience, but that the second that the door opens, and this is one that I really, really try to, and have, have always tried to adhere to is the second the door opens and we go back to it, it's over. And it, if, if it happens again, let's figure out why it happened again. And at that point we'll look at it. We may look at it differently, but um, it's very important when you have stuff like that happen, in my opinion, to be able to separate from it as soon as it's it's addressed because harping on it and lingering, letting it linger is not going to, is not going to lead to, to productive, productive measures moving forward. So 
think that's real important. I, and it's something that I've learned with time, but that's what getting older is all about. We're approaching the hour mark now. So let's, uh, let's end this with uh, a little bit of a lighter note. And what are, what are you guys interested in outside of sports turf? You might have any hobbies or anything that uh, they do that, that maybe is a little bit different than what we do on a day-to-day basis. An NASCAR fan, uh, when I, you know, I think about that, and I've come to the conclusion that I grew up watching it, but it's the one sport that I can sit down and watch, and it really does. There's nothing in that that sport watching it that it relates back to my job. Uh, you know, I watch football, I love all sports, but I always find myself somehow, oh, well, look at that field, or you know, it comes back. So I think that's one reason I really enjoy NASCAR is because it's one that I've always followed it, but. I can truly watch it. It really doesn't affect. Uh, I don't have a favorite driver. I just enjoy watching, watching, watching it and going to races. And uh, it's uh, it's a good good outlet for me. I think to to be involved in in a sport that that and we don't we don't have asphalt and we don't have cars and things like that in, in our job. So it's nice to be involved in something and, and get in get into something that is totally outside of your work world. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think for me, um, I wish that I had something that took me completely away from my job, but my wife made a joke to me one time, at least I think she was joking that, uh, I don't know what it was, but at one point in time, she told me that she was tired of supporting my hobby. And like I said, it was a joke, but at the same time, I mean, what I do for a living, I think to a degree is my hobby. Um, maybe, maybe not at work per se, but I really enjoy being out on the golf course. And when I'm out there, I I do, I do enjoy looking at kind of a different side of what I do for a living from a turf industry standpoint. And, uh, I also enjoy, I really enjoy working in my yard at home, but as my kids are getting older, I think that being with them and, and really I'm fortunate that uh, I have a daughter who enjoys sports and enjoys being outside and, uh, you know, soccer to her is, is something that, that she really enjoys. And, and my wife was a soccer player in college and I, I never grew up around the game of soccer, but I do enjoy watching, watching my kids participate in, in, in sports and outside stuff. So I'm just an outside, uh, outside enthusiast, outdoor enthusiast, I would say. Yeah. I love being outdoors as well. And for me, you know, I've always loved to just kind of grow things and I kind of have a bit of a green thumb which I think we all do. But over the last three or four years, I've gotten into to growing hops, beer production. So I have about 10 plants at my house. It gives me a different avenue to grow something a little bit different. And, you know, it's cool to watch these things go from barely poking up out of the ground to about 20 feet tall. So, you brewing, Are you brewing beer with us, Robbie? Not yet. I'm looking into it. That's a whole nother rabbit hole, the, the brewing equipment and the brewing process. I've researched it quite a bit just to kind of understand how the – the hop uh, plant. So what you use, you use the flour to, to brew with, and that's the hop cone. And so just learning how the different oils in the hop cone produce different flavors in the brewing process, you know, I've really kind of gotten into that. And um, I haven't had a, a, the, the best crop yet to, to brew with. Um, I think the first year I did it, my plant didn't produce anything. The second year that plant died. The third year I uh, started with 10 new plants and I had two of them actually produce cones. And then this year, will be the second year with those 10 plants and then they are all shooting up like rockets right now. So hopefully I'll have a variety of uh, some hop cones this year to, to play with if I can figure out how to brew between now and then. Is a, is a hop a cool season or a warm season? <laughs> uh, plant? 
I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I don't I, it, it would be considered a, a, a warm season plant. It is more light dependent than anything. And one of the struggles actually in North Carolina is that we have about an hour and a half uh, less light than they have in the Pacific Northwest, which is a traditional hop growing area. And that hour and a half light difference uh, is enough to get the plant to go to reproductive stage of growth before the plant is big enough to produce a large scale amount of hops. So in the Pacific Northwest, they get yields of around 2,000 pounds per acre. In North Carolina, the yield is somewhere around a thousand pounds per acre. So, are they as hard to grow as grasses in the transition zone of North Carolina? Absolutely, absolutely. They have a, uh, similar diseases issues that that turf does. So, it's been actually pretty fun. It's, you know, I've used some of the knowledge that I have about grass, and I've been able to apply that to these. So, it's uh, it's really cool. Well, when you well, brew some beer up, let us know. We'll, we'll help you. More, <laughs> be more than happy to be your uh, to be your uh, samplers. Well, you know, fall twenty twenty, we'll we'll get the production line going. <laughs> Little Oktoberfest. There we go. Well, Oktoberfest is uh, those going off the rails a little bit, but uh, Oktoberfest, uh, it takes about three four months, I believe to lager those things, to get those things to, to actually be an Oktoberfest. That's not an easy beer to brew. All right. Well, don't start with that one. I heard a man t- tell me one time that you should start with an IPA because you can hide all your, all your faults in an IPA. That is so, true. That's my little knock on IPAs. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm a, I'm a beer snob. So I'm a, a, you know, I don't always fit in down at the conference at Myrtle beach. I see a lot of Miller lights being handed around. I'm a beer snob too. I just like Miller Lite. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're going off the rails here, gentlemen. Yeah. On that note, uh, I want to thank you guys for joining me today. Uh, once again, I want to thank all of our uh, 2020 partners. We're excited to, uh, to start this journey, uh, this podcast journey. We will have uh, Jimmy Simpson, the national STMA president uh, on our show, our next show. So be on the lookout for that. And, uh, And that's all that I have, guys. All right, awesome. Enjoyed it, gentlemen. Absolutely. Yep, thank you. Thank you.